Welcome to Voice of the Blue. I am Royce, your host, bringing you an intimate look at the men and women of the law enforcement profession as we hear of their service, their stories, and their lives. We bring you these stories in order to show you the human face of the police profession to help you all gain a better understanding of those who stand on that blue line. This program is brought to you by the American Police Hall of Fame in Titusville, Florida. You can check them out at aphf.org and make a donation to help them there in their work. If you have the opportunity, visit the American Police Hall of Fame at 6350 Horizon Drive in Titusville, Florida. See the work they do there for the families of the fallen officers across our land with scholarships, Christmas and birthday remembrances and gifts and much more. Be sure to visit the museum while you're there and see the various exhibits that tell the history of the American police profession. In particular, the Officer's Memorial, where the names of thousands of America's finest repose there on granite walls. Top off the day by visiting the Shooting Center and make it a day at the American Police Hall of Fame in Titusville, Florida. Now, on this episode, I'm going to bring you a look back in history at a very legendary Texas Ranger by the name of Frank Hamer, H-A-M-E-R. Texas Ranger Frank Hamer's origins were fairly common. He was born on March 17, 1884 in Fairview, Texas, just south of San Antonio, he, His father was a blacksmith, and he had five brothers that he grew up with. Uh, working on a ranch owned by a man named Barry Ketchum. Out of those six boys, four of them, including Frank, were destined to become Texas Rangers. While Frank Hamer is very renowned and famous for taking down the notorious outlaw duo, Bonnie and Clyde, which was considered by many people to be Hamer's most famous act, his life was actually full of many other feats and accomplishments. Besides having a reputation for being very deliberate and deadly in a gunfight, Hamer was very well known for his integrity, his courage, his toughness, his marksmanship, and even his investigative skills. He was, reportedly, survived, uh, wounded 17 times as he survived more than 50 gunfights, he was actually left for dead four times throughout his colorful career. Somehow, he managed to survive all of those incidents. Frank Hamer killed his first man in 1900 when he was only 16 years old. It was a fight that Frank felt was very necessary to settle a score with a man who had tried to kill him. It seems that he and his little brother Harrison were working for a rancher named Dan McSwain, who had approached Frank with an offer to make some money when uh, Frank inquired about how he was supposed to make that particular sum of money. He jokingly asked, what am I supposed to do, kill somebody for it? Well, apparently that is exactly what Mr. McSwain wanted Frank to do. He was trying to hire him to kill a man. Frank, being a man of integrity, of course, refused. Mr. McSwain... Uh, got a little scared that Mr. Hamer might go to the authorities, so he approached Frank from behind, and he fired a shotgun into his back, badly wounding him. 
Frank convalesced for some time, but once he had recuperated and was healthy again, he went to pay Mr. McSwain a visit. He saddled his horse up and rode out to Mr. McSwain's ranch. Once Mr. McSwain laid eyes on Frank standing there in front of them, he said, I thought I had killed you. Frank replied, I'm here to settle our account. With that, it was reported that both men drew their pistols and fired. When the smoke cleared, Frank was still standing, but McSwain was not. That account had been settled. After that, the Frank Hamer legend took root and took off. As was the case with many law enforcement legends of that era, he was later spoken of as part Texas ranch hand, part lawman, and part Texas gunslinger. He began to take a keen interest in history. He studied the Texas Rangers and the Native American tribes of his area, Hamer later attended school in Oxford, and uh, it was joked uh, oftentimes that he was the only Oxford-educated ranger in the service, though he had actually quit school in the sixth grade. Even so, he demonstrated very high levels of intelligence and was said to have a photographic memory, which served him well as he served in the Texas Rangers. He pursued his law enforcement career in earnest in 1905 when he tracked down and caught a horse thief, which opened the door for future endeavors. A local sheriff actually took note of Hamer's skills and recommended him for the Texas Rangers. The state's broad, open spaces and ranges were said to be like a second home, a home away from home. For Mr. Frank Hamer. He was a keen observer of nature and people. These were some of the attributes that made Frank one of the best Texas Rangers that they had ever seen. He joined up with a man named Captain John H. Rogers, Company C in Alpine, Texas with the Rangers on April 21st in 1906 and began patrolling the Mexican border. In 1911, he went to nearby Houston began working there uh, at the Harris County Sheriff's Office. A subsequent move uh, took him to Kimball County, where he later served as a livestock theft investigator. Two years after that, at age 24, he resigned to become the city marshal in Navasota, uh, an oil boom town roughly 70 miles from Houston that had been allegedly overrun with violence and crime. It was said that there were many shootouts in the main street that they were so frequent at, uh, at that time that at least 100 people had been killed in shootouts there on the main street of that town. It was also stated that lawmen did not typically last long there because they were either intimidated, killed, or paid off. Hamer, when he took the job there, cleaned house, and it was said that he almost single-handedly tamed that town. He rejoined the Texas Rangers in 1915, and once again, began patrolling the south border of Texas from Big Bend to Brownsville. The Rangers 
dealt with uh, a myriad of various criminals from armed smugglers to bandits to bootleggers all throughout that entire area. In 1921, Hamer transferred to headquarters company in Austin and served there as senior ranger captain. In the 1920s, he was very instrumental in helping to bring law and order to a boom town, several boom towns actually. Uh, one was called Mexia and the other was called Borger or Borger, B-O-R-G-E-R. Back in 1928, he took on the Texas Bankers Association, which had started something called a reward ring. And this was very indicative of the character and integrity of Mr. Frank Hamer. Right was right, wrong was wrong, and he took on the Texas Bankers Association. As I said, they started this thing called a reward ring, which placed a reward of $5,000, which is an incredible amount of money back in those days, for dead bank robbers. Matter of fact, the wanted posters also uh, stated $5,000 for the dead bank robbers, not one cent for live ones. Well, this pretty much resulted in a lot of small-time criminals and innocent transients being framed by the Texas Bankers Association or by other citizens who uh, took, you know, filed complaints with the Texas Bankers Association or made false allegations against certain people. And these small-time criminals and these transients ended up being killed for bogus bank robberies just to collect the reward of $5,000. So Hamer's public exposure of this practice was very instrumental in not only bringing it to an end, but also bringing people within the Texas Bankers Association to justice themselves. He again retired from the Rangers in 1932, but still retained a commission as Special Ranger. During his long and storied career, Frank Hamer was said to have mastered and carried many firearms, but his personal favorite he had nicknamed Old Lucky. It was a single-action Colt 45 blued revolver with pearl handles. He, his, he shared this, this philosophy on gunfighting with a man who was interviewing him once. Frank told him that, he, uh, that when he had a choice, he preferred to fight with a rifle, but he also practiced long-distance handgunning. He said he always used his sights in a gunfight rather than point shooting like others did because he just couldn't see spraying the countryside with lead, as he stated, when one shot would do the trick. Well, Mr. Frank Hamer had one such gunfight indeed in Sweetwater, Texas. On October 1st, 1916, shortly after Frank had married his wife Gladys Johnson, Gladys, her brother Frank, and uh, his brother Harrison, Frank's, uh, Frank Hamer's uh, brother Harrison, had stopped on a town square in Sweetwater, Texas. They were on a road trip. They got a flat tire. They pulled into town, and Frank had previously been serving as a bodyguard for a rancher at the time, when two members of the opposition, uh, one man named McMeans and another named Phillips, 
spotted Hamer. They thought he was relaxed and unaware, and they, they created an impromptu plan to kill him off. McMeans approached the front from the front, and Phillips, who had a shotgun, approached from behind, and they both intended to kill Frank Hamer, and quite possibly Frank's brother Harrison and Gladys's brother named Frank also. Um, when McMeans reached Hamer, he drew a pistol, but Frank reacted very quickly, very instinctively, and grabbed the pistol. They had a struggle. Frank was shot in the shoulder and the thigh during the struggle, but he was not yet out of the fight. He actually wrestled the gun from McMeans' hand and began beating him with it as Phillips came up behind him with the shotgun, and Frank still had not seen him. However, Frank's wife, Gladys, not only shouted a warning to Frank, but also filled her hand with a pocket colt and opened fire on Phillips. Apparently, the swarm of bullets buzzing by Phillips' head caused him to fire wildly, and he struck nothing more than the brim of Frank's hat. Harrison, Frank's brother, ended up returning fire uh, and armed himself. Actually, he had armed himself uh, while Frank had drawn his pistol, and the ambushers appeared to be fleeing the battlefield, but McMeans reached his car, came back with a shotgun, and swung it towards Hamer. That's when Mr. Frank Hamer deliberately aimed, fired, and shot McMeans in the chest, ending his life. Phillips abandoned the car and took off on foot. Harrison swung around and fired at, uh, at um, Mr. Phillips as he was running away, but Frank Hamer knocked the barrel down so that he would miss because he said he was determined that Phillips did not need to be shot dead because he'd done nothing more than ruin a good hat. Now, that ought to tell you a lot about the character and integrity of Mr. Frank Hamer. Now, in an amazing twist on this story, while that gunfight was actually in progress there at the, uh, the town square, the Nolan County grand jury was actually in session nearby. The jury actually paused from their deliberations to stand in the windows and watch the street battle uh, from upstairs across the street. In a what was known as a supreme example of the swiftness of Texas justice, uh, while Frank was being treated by the doctor for his wounds, the grand jury actually convened immediately in the matter of the death of Mr. McMeans, and within minutes it returned a no-bill ruling, basically saying Frank Hamer's killing of Mr. McMeans was purely an act of self-defense. Well, Hamer, having been wounded many times before, he recovered from that also. He became a federal agent before once again taking up the uh, Cinco Peso and rejoining the Texas Rangers. And I'm reading from a report here. He actually ended up entering a fray against the Ku Klux Klan. In 1930, he and a handful of Rangers were charged with protecting the, uh, a black rape suspect prior to trial. Uh, it was a man named George Hughes in Sherman, Texas, when a lynch mob headed for the courthouse, 
Hamer ended up shooting and wounding two of the people in the crowd, in the lynch mob, and that began what was known as the Sherman Riot. Uh, Hamer's shooting enraged the mob. They burned the courthouse down, and they ended up taking sticks of dynamite to blow open the cell where Hughes was being held. Hamer and the other lawmen there narrowly escaped in a car, but unfortunately, Hughes was taken by the angry mob, and his life was ended. Hamer decided to hang up his spurs a couple of years later. He retired again in 1932 when Governor Miriam Ferguson moved to abolish the Rangers. He retained the title of Senior Ranger Captain, but once again, his retirement was short-lived because in 1933, though he had retired as a captain from the Texas Rangers, due to his reputation, he was sought after as a peace officer where there was no peace, a bodyguard when somebody was in dire danger, and most notably, as a manhunter when the safety of the community dictated that someone needed to be captured. And the most famous of those hunts occurred in 1934, when Frank was once again commissioned as a special investigator for the prison system this time, though, and they commissioned him to end the crime spree of the Barrow Gang. That's right. Bonnie and Clyde and the Barrow Gang. Frank had studied their activity, he studied their movements, he studied their habits, and eventually was able to make contact with one of the gang members, one Henry Methvin. And he agreed to cooperate in the capture of Bonnie Parker and Clyde Barrow. Well, because Bonnie and Clyde were always very heavily armed with automatic weapons and they had already killed 10, yes, 10 law enforcement officers, Frank decided to recruit some help for this one. And he did that uh, by bringing in other men and uh, to form a posse to go after Bonnie and Clyde. They set up a plan and they put it into action on May 23rd in 1934, and at 9.15 approximately, Bonnie and Clyde had stopped their car because Frank and his crew had set up a ruse uh, on a rural road near Gibsland, Louisiana. Uh, Hamer and the other deputies called out for the pair to surrender, but of course they had a carload of weapons at the ready, and Bonnie and Clyde faithfully made a move towards those weapons. Hamer was armed with a Remington Model 8 semi-automatic rifle with a special 15-round magazine, and his entire posse opened fire, putting more than 100 rounds into the suspects and their vehicle. It was said that when Barrow and Parker breathed their last breath, the entire country breathed a sigh of relief, and I believe that's true. In his later years, it was said that the mere presence of Frank Hamer was enough to ensure a peaceful outcome in a tense situation. In 1948, this living legend was a special guard during a very heavily contested Senate race between Lyndon Baines Johnson and a man nicknamed Coke Stevenson. And Frank was actually investigating voter fraud by Johnson's team. 
And at one point, there was trouble very badly brewing when Frank pulled up to a polling place where two groups of armed men had faced off. And according to accounts, the way Frank Hammer basically handled this situation, he was 64 years old at the time, mind you. He got out of his car and strolled very deliberately toward one of the armed groups and merely said, get. <laughs> it was reported that they did get. They scattered. He then turned on his heels, walked calmly over to the other group, and ordered them to fall back. And fall back they did. That's the power of this man's presence, this man of integrity, this man of character, this man of a very colorful career. He retired yet again in 1949, and in 1955, this lawman, who had survived over 50 gunfights, had survived being wounded 17 times, died of natural causes. It was said that he had a stroke prior to dying in his sleep. He was laid to rest in the Memorial Park Cemetery in Austin, Texas, and as per his request, he was buried next to his own personal hero, and that was his son Billy, who was a Marine killed in combat on Iwo Jima. That's going to do it for this edition of Voice of the Blue podcast. I hope you'll all join me in a prayer as we pray a, a blessing upon those who stand on that blue line. Lord God Almighty, in the name of your Son, Jesus, we ask that you protect those who stand on that blue line, who put themselves in harm's way every day. May this day not be their end of watch. May you watch over them as they watch over us. Keep your guiding hand upon them and bring them all home safely to their families. Amen. On behalf of the American Police Hall of Fame, myself and the producer, we thank you for joining us on this episode of Voice of the Blue as we talked about the colorful life of legendary Texas Ranger, Frank Hamer. God bless you all.